Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking to lecturer at the Autonomous University of Madrid and app developer, Carlos Balsarobre. tuned in to this episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So I'm absolutely delighted to get Carlos onto the podcast for this episode today. So Carlos has a super, super interesting story and I'm pretty sure that everyone in sports science and strength and conditioning has come across his work at some point. So whether it's MyJump, uh, Runmatic, MyLift or one of the many apps that he's developed, you will have heard of Carlos's work. So it was great to get him on, have a little chat about his work, see where the ideas for the apps came from, how they're developed and how Carlos and where Carlos sees this area of the industry going, but also the area of the industry in terms of sports technology as a whole, whether it be wearables, whether it be video, or whether it be something that obviously he knows a lot about in terms of the app-based technology. So I'm sure you'll love this episode with Carlos, especially if you've used some of his apps, which are absolutely superb, and I would recommend anyone checking them out on the App Store and soon-to-be, as we spoke about in the episode, available for across the board on every app for Android. So I love getting these kind of people on, like Carlos, who've seen a problem in the industry and have created a solution and have made a business out of it. So it's it's a great episode of Carlos and one that I'm sure you'll absolutely love. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by the University of Notre Dame, an Australian Catholic university who are excited to host their second annual Human Performance Summit. This year's focus will be on moving past the barriers that limit the integration of performance teams. So the Human Performance Summit, the performance team puzzle, will be held in the beautiful University of Notre Dame campus on Friday, June the 21st and Saturday, June the 22nd. Rather than hosting individuals to speak on generic topics, there's a focus on bringing in performance teams to speak on how they operate through success and failure. So each one of these presentations will be followed by an intimate question and answer portion and then tying everything together with a 90 minute practical session. It's something that I've spoke to loads of people about recently and people are finding less value in repeated presentations at conferences but more value in the conversations that go on the hallways. So both Friday and Saturday night they'll be hosting an event on campus with activities geared towards sharing an organic discussion. And it was these events last year that proved to be the highlight of the conference. So if you're interested in getting to know more about the conference, I've put a couple of links in the show notes which will take you to the presenter list and more information on the conference itself. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by iMeasureU. So iMeasureU is used by leading biomechanist researchers worldwide to capture and compare multi-limb inertial data in the field. So iMeasureU recently released IMU Step, which is a dual sensor and app for lower limb load monitoring uh, and helps practitioners optimize return to play for running based sports. So unlike GPS, IMU Step focuses on lower limb musculoskeletal load and works via two very small synchronized high frequency tibia one sensors which quantify three things. The intensity of each step an athlete takes, precise left and right lower limb asymmetry and cumulative tibial load. So iMeasureU is now part of Vicon and works with military, pro and collegiate coaches and athletes from around the world. 
So if you want to get more information and know more about iMeasureU, head over to the website imeasureu.com or follow them on Twitter or Instagram at iMeasureU. So without further ado, over to the episode with Carlos Balsalabre. Thanks for tuning in to the Pacey Performance Podcast this morning. I am absolutely delighted to welcome Carlos, and I'm going to try my best to pronounce his second name, Balsaroble. How did I do, Carlos? Was that all right? Yeah, perfect. Perfect pronoun. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> yes. I always get nervous about pronouncing people's second names. So, Carlos, thank you for giving up your time to come on the podcast and have a little chat. For anyone that doesn't, for anyone that doesn't know who you are... Do you just want to give us a bit of a background on yourself, education-wise, what you're doing and everything? Well, what you're doing is probably going to be quite a big discussion because you're a busy man. But um, things you're doing, kind of nine to five at the university, and then we'll get onto the apps as well. Yeah, of course. Well, uh, I have a PhD in sports science, and that's my main education. Uh, but I also like to remember that before joining sports, the, the undergrad sports science, uh, degree. I started uh, studying math science, and that gave me a great background in, in you know, in computing skills and and mathematical theory, etc., which uh, uh, was great, uh, uh, great help uh, to to build uh, the apps. So uh, yes, that's uh, in terms of uh, education. And currently, I'm working lecturing at the Autonomous University of uh, Madrid. Of course, I'm developing many apps. There, there are already nine, and uh, I also consult uh, elite uh, athletes. I'm currently working with some elite runners here in Madrid. I have also consulted some NBA NBA teams, etc. And yes, as as you say, I'm I'm kind of busy, but but I love it. So, did you grow up in Madrid, Carlos? Yes. And you did your undergrad undergraduate degree as well. Yeah, yeah. In Madrid, born, okay. Born and raised in Madrid. I have travelled, and you know, but I have always came back to Madrid. So, what was your what was your undergraduate in? Was it down the traditional sports science route? It's in Spain, a sports science degree is called uh, physical education and sports uh, science. So, well, I think the literal translation will be something like physical activity and sports science education or something like that. But yes, that, that is my, my, my undergrad. Okay. So let, so let's have a little chat about the apps because that's, that's probably what most people know you for, especially online. So let's have a little chat about the, the background. Where does that, firstly, where did that interest in maths come from? And then how did that progress into learning to code, um, programming, and where did you actually go to, to build them skills? Well, it, it probably goes back to the high school uh, years. I have a, a, a great math teacher, and I also loved uh, science and, and maths and computers and video games, etc. So everything related to to technology or science and math, physics, etc. Uh, always, always kept my attention, you know. And uh, the idea of the apps came when I was doing my PhD. 
uh, I try to to measure a lot of things during a whole uh, season in Elite Runners, and uh, I need to to carry a lot of uh, device, you know, uh, jump platforms, uh, linear transducers, photo cells, many computers, uh, force platforms, etc. And it was, uh, you know, it was a mess because carrying all of these things every day for a whole year was was not was not easy. And I I always wanted to have a, a more simple uh, solution. And when I was uh, last year a student in my sports science under undergrad uh, degree, here is four years. I, I don't know in in other countries. How's about in in the UK, for example, three years or something? Uh, yeah, I think the majority are three years. Okay. Yeah. Well, here is four years, and in the in the fourth year, I did a a simple assignment for uh, a biomechanics issue and we compared a high speed uh, camera it was a, a casio exilim it, it was the name of the camera and we compared the the values of time of the slow motion video analyzed with the kinovea software in a pc uh, and we compared that to a, a, an infrared platform and in fact, it was my first scientific publication. The correlation, the precision was great. So once Apple released it uh, a few months later, it was like a great timing. A few months, months uh, later, it was released the first iPhone with a slow motion camera. I instantly uh, thought about how great it would be to have uh, all of that just in the phone, because if you could record with in a slow motion with your phone and do all the computation instead of the computer right in the phone uh, you could have a, a, a great measurement of jump height and uh, since then I start uh, working on on how how on earth I, I could develop a, an app and yes that's where where all started so where, so where did you go to learn them skills? Uh, I basically I learned online. Uh, as I say that I have I had a, a nice background because in in maths uh, it was an undergrad in in maths before I joined sports science, but I never ended it. I did <laughs> yeah I, I I quit. It it was too too hard uh, for me I believe or or not too motivating uh, in. In fact, but I I studied it like for one year and a half, but it was enough to give me a a good background in computing. So I entered online in some web page. It's it's a web page that many people might know. I believe it's called uh, Udemy. I don't know if it's the pronunciation. Yeah, yes, Udemy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So I I did an online course in in programming language for for iOS, which is the you know the operating system of the iPhone, and the programming language is called uh, Swift. It's a, a programming language made by Apple. So I basically took a course on Swift programming uh, online. It was a night course. It kept kept me very busy for about four or five months. Uh, where I just was, you know, learning without doing any actual app development, uh, and then after that, I, 
I started creating my jump. Superb. And how many how many downloads has my jump had, Carlos? Out of interest, do you know? Uh, nice question. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not really a, a, a statistics freak. With, with no, the that's app. fine. Yes. That's 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 absolutely fine. So, yeah, but yeah, I I know it's it should be something like I don't know. Uh, twenty thousand or something like that. I don't know. Brilliant! Congratulations! I, I, I can check it. <laughs> no, know. no, that's that's absolutely fantastic. So, in terms of the the My Jump app, that's obviously something that's that's been used all over the world. thousand My Jump too. <laughs> I'm looking at the stats right now in the web page. Twelve, twelve thousand. Yes, twenty, twenty. I believe the whole apps. It's about twenty or thirty thousand, but okay. yes, it, it's great, great, great numbers. I'm super, super happy that the yeah, that the people. So that's that. My jump's been used all over the world. Uh, in terms of the the development of the others, what, what which which came next, and and where does that where does that kind of roadmap come from? Was it just a uh, things that you've picked up to think? Oh, okay, I could make something that's a lot easier for people based on something that's popular, you know, Nordics, for example, or dorsif- measuring dorsiflexion, or is there some sort of um, like more strict map for what you actually want to develop? Uh, the next, the next one was uh, the app. It's called Runmatic, which is an app that measures running mechanics. You know, contact times, flag times, leg stiffness vertical oscillation, like asymmetry, etc. And uh, basically most of my apps, others others don't, but most of my apps uh, are based in, you know, in a slow motion uh, video analysis. And since MyJump was so successful in the validations, uh, etc., basically it should work with almost every human movement in terms of the detection of time. Because... Uh, the algorithm doesn't know if you're jumping or running or lifting, etc. It just calculates the time between uh, one event when you click start and the other event when you click stop. And it calculates the time. And that time is used in different equations to measure different things. So once I saw that my jump could measure uh time and then convert it to jump height and force and power, etc. Uh, very well. I started thinking what other things could I measure using time as the main input variable. So I don't know if you know that uh, at that time, uh, my jump uh, got the attention, the attention of, of interesting people, like for example, JV Morin. And uh, JV and I became uh, good friends and started collaborating then in certain things and he told me that he had a paper from 2005 I believe in which he used uh, uh, time to measure running mechanics uh, and asked me if I could uh, use that equations to do a, a, another app and that's how Runmatic uh, was born. Superb so what in, ter- in, in your in your opinion, where do these apps fit in the, I mean, in the spectrum of other technology that's available in that sector? So, so for example, MyLift, 
Uh-huh. Where does that where does that fit compared to something like push and then along the along that continuum to a, a linear positions trans, transducer? Is it is it always at the start, or are people using them instead of these things, even though they might be able to afford the more expensive bits of equipment? That's that's a that's a great question. And in fact, in in the beginning, my idea was to develop. Uh, an alternative for those people who, who couldn't access more expensive device, for example, people who couldn't buy a linear transducer or a jump platform, etc. And the idea was to to fit in that space in which uh, people would like to measure that uh, kind of things, jump height, running mechanics, or barrel velocity, etc., but couldn't afford uh, more advanced uh, equipment. What uh, surprised me is that the apps also um, kept the attention of, of more important uh, institutions. For example, um, people from the U.S. Olympic Committee or the NBA or elite clubs here in, in Spain contacted me because they, they loved the idea that you could measure those things abroad, you know, because if you um, travel a lot, uh, you don't need to carry all your testing devices because you have the alternative to to measure all of those important uh, variables or many of the important variables you want to measure just with uh, with the phone. So I think it's it's kind in in the middle. I always say it's complementary. I I for example use other advanced advanced uh, equipment and in some occasions. So so I believe it is kind of uh, in the middle or like an entry point. So what, what's the latest one, Carlos? Is it the change direction? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So, that's so, the, where, that's the... so where does that fit? What's the what's the purpose of the what's the purpose of that and how can people use that in practice? Yeah, well the 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 idea was actually uh, given by many users that use it the, the other apps and wanted to have an alternative uh, to timing gates um, because, you know, many coaches don't have uh, timing gates to use in the field to to measure some uh, variables on change of direction tests. And uh, I finally found time to, to do the app because, again, the, the basis is the same, to measure the variable time, which can be very easily measured in a slow motion. Um, and uh, use that to to measure different things. In this case, some change of direction test. And uh, yes, I think that's that's the main target. The the coaches or strength and conditioning specialists, etc., who wants to measure uh, different uh, change of direction tests without uh, using advanced uh, timing system. Excellent. So the thing that I'm really looking forward to asking you is where do you think this is going to go in the future? Do you think there's many more apps to come? Do you think that there are th- things that still could be developed that you haven't developed yet? Is is time going to be an issue? Is are things going to get a little bit, you know, obviously going to stay on the iPhone, but more advanced, less advanced, stay the same? What's the future hold for this, for your group of apps? Yeah, well, always when I, when I finish one app, 
I always tell to my myself that this is the last one. <laughs> it 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 likes uh, you know con- consumes me a lot the the process. Uh, what many people don't uh, don't understand is that even creating a very little text message in the app or a pop up button or something like that requires a lot of coding and a lot of testing, etc. You know, even uh, even with mm, super big companies like Facebook or Instagram, etc., many people experience or have experienced uh, that the app uh, has bugs or crashes once in a while, and that's a big company. I'm just one guy creating the apps, so it takes a lot of time to make sure that that everything uh, works. No, so when I do <laughs> one app, I I always think it's it's the long, the last one. But with with the time, always new 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 ideas uh, came out. So uh, I think that the um, the main motivation to create new apps. It's the the own development of the operating systems in 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 smartphones. Uh, for example, in MyLift, which is one of my favorites apps, uh, it's the one you know that allows you to track barbell velocity and estimate uh, one repetition maximum, uh, fatigue, etc. I added uh, a new feature uh, a couple of months ago that uh, tracked automatically the 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 video and lets you see the path of the barbell and measure instantaneous velocity and things like that. And it was thanks to the advancing iOS 12, which is the the latest operating system of of the iPhone. So basically I'm I'm waiting for in this case for Apple to to release new versions of the operating systems to see what I can do. Uh, for example, the 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 nearest future that's was what what you are asking me, you know, is the augmented reality for sure. So what I would love to do is to to use the augmented reality functions on iOS, which currently exist but are very basic still, uh, to measure performance. For example, my my dream would be to to have augmented reality capabilities in my apps. Uh, and for example, you record the athlete in real time, and in real time you see the the values of jump height or barbell velocity or power or force, etc. So I I really think that the future of sports technology is very related to, to augmented reality. So just explain augmented reality a little bit more for us, Carlos. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well. Uh, the easiest thing to to say to help people understand what is augmented reality that's what i always uh, tell people in lecture etc is pokemon go you know pokemon go yes yeah that's that's augmented reality augmented augmented reality it's it's putting uh, digital uh, layers in the reality so for example if you are pointing with your phone to your I don't know, to your desk, and then you see there a Pokemon, that's a digital layer inserted into the reality. So, uh, for example, the, the Iron Man headset, the the Terminator, this this kind of thing we have seen in, in science fiction, that is augmented reality. 
So, in fact, the, f- the future of augmented reality, and this is not that far away, uh, is uh, augmented reality glasses. Uh, for example, it is uh, believed by many technology uh, investors, etc., that Apple and other companies will release augmented reality, real-life augmented reality glasses, you know, glasses that looks like, like a normal glass, but that have augmented reality functions in a couple of years or something. So imagine to have a, a regular glasses that allows you to just see your athlete and uh, in the side of your athlete, while he's jumping, you see in real, in real time the jump height or the barbell velocity or the one repetition maximum of that day or the force or the contact time, the change of direction time, whatever. And that, that's, that's uh, the future, in my opinion, and I would love to, to work on that. So we're just going to take a very quick break in the chat with Carlos. Hope you're enjoying part one. So part one sets the scene, talks about the apps, uh, where they came from, Carlos's background. So in part two, we're going, to get, we're going to discuss more around where Carlos sees the industry and sports technology going, whether that be the app-based products that he's developing, or wearable technology, camera technology, we get a real insight from Carlos, someone on the inside doing this kind of stuff, um, where he thinks it's gonna go. So part two is an absolute stormer, and hopefully it will give you a bit of an insight into what's coming in the next two, three, four, five years time in terms of sports technology. But just before we do get into part two with Carlos, I want to say a big thanks to Black Box Fitness for sponsoring this episode today. So Black Box are a specialist gym manufacturer based in Belfast in Northern Ireland. Now I went across to their factory and their offices a couple of months ago and was so impressed with the kind of work them guys are doing. So everything's built and made on site, which gave me personally a real nice feeling that if someone's gonna buy the equipment from them, it's not then sourced elsewhere, it's actually built on site. So anything custom, anything adjusted can all be done in the factory because it's a phone call and it's a direct link to the people that are making it. And that's something that I really valued. So if you are looking for a complete gym fit out or just some additions to what you've already got, definitely consider Black Box because they're a great group of guys and like I say, everything's built on site and made on site so you have full um, visibility over what things are gonna look like, feel like and obviously be used like. So if you want to check them out, have a little look on the website at blkboxfitness.com or on Twitter and Instagram at blkboxfitness. Also, big thanks to Hawking Dynamics for also sponsoring this episode today. So Hawking Dynamics offer the world's first wireless force plate testing system. So the Hawking Dynamics system is built around what coaches want so they can test in the real world and not just in the lab. So you're able to capture reliable data on all athletes in a matter of minutes and monitor progress from their cloud-based system from anywhere in the world. So as I've mentioned, the Hawking Dynamics force plates are wireless, which means they're portable, and they're also trusted by teams at a number of different levels in a number of different sports. So integrating force plates into your athlete monitoring system uh, could not be easier 
and more affordable. So if you want to get to know a little bit more about Hawking Dynamics or actually see their plates in action, head over to the website, uh, which is hawkingdynamics.com, um, which you can, I mean, you can also schedule a demo and follow them on Twitter at Hawking Dynamics. So it just so just opening that conversation up a little bit in terms of moving, not moving away from, but including other things apart from the apps that you're obviously very familiar with, where, and, and including augmented reality in that, where do you see sports app technology, which we've discussed, but wearable technology as a whole, where do you see that going? It'd be nice to get a maybe a, a bit of a story of where it's come from, even just from your involvement in sports science through your PhD into your into your teaching, then maybe a little bit of look into the future of where you think it's going to go in terms of sports technology. Yeah, well, I don't know if you if you saw or or, or the listeners saw that that very cool demonstration that Intel made at the late, latest CES, uh, which which was like a, a tracking technology to to measure different uh, performance uh, variables. And I believe that the future of sports technology is uh, to make uh, or to create uh, smaller and smaller devices that allows us to test or monitor the athlete without uh, even knowing that you're doing that. You know, the, the, the future is that the athlete doesn't even know that he's being tracked. Or measured, and that comes, and yeah, and that comes by the development of smaller and smaller devices. Maybe uh, putting those devices into the the clothes, and uh, many companies are even developing, like Intel, for example. You you would love to see that Intel demo in the latest 2019 CES, even without any devices. In the athlete, but with with tracking camera systems. So do you, so do you, do you think we'll move? Because we went from a camera base. I'm just thinking of of big sports, soccer, rugby. We went from camera based systems like Prozone to moving towards wearable technology with Catapult Stat Sports. Do you think it'll move back in the way of video as that technology improves again? I, I think that it it will be complementary. Okay. Because because for many for many actions, uh, you will still need a, a a wearable device, in my opinion. For example, an an accelerometer to to measure, you know, of course, acceleration and forces and velocities, etc. Because camera system uh, will will be more and more advanced and will let us measure more things. But it will be extremely difficult that, for example, a, a camera that would measure a whole soccer team could measure with precision the, for example, the contact time of the left foot of the player uh, 11, for example. So I believe that uh, a combination of uh, wearable devices and camera-based uh, systems would be the, the, the best solution. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Intel as well. Is there any other, I'm guessing there is, there's, there's hundreds of them, but big players who are going to potentially enter the sports technology market? I mean, I know you put a couple of tweets out maybe a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago about um, functionality within the uh, Apple uh, Watch. 
do you think big players like Apple will get we'll be getting into this space and, and having a real focus on the sports market? Well, actually, this is a fun fact. The currently the the biggest company uh, who has invested the most in uh, uh, VO2 max measurement systems is Apple, because for the Apple Watch they have uh, like a secret lab which is not that secret because, it, <laughs> yeah, because the press know about that. But they, they have a lab in, in where they tested the, the Apple Watch and other devices uh, that they are developing, like the, these glasses I told you about. And, and they, they bought a lot, a lot of the VO2 mass uh, testing uh, devices you know, oxycon devices and ergometers and things like that. And currently they, they are the, the people who has most of these devices. So I believe that that Apple is doing an amazing investment in, in this area. Mostly focus, uh, at least in these days, in health, not as much in sports performance. But I believe that they, they will also uh, move to the sports performance uh, field because the, the technology would allow that in the in the near future. As, as, as uh, you told uh, about, uh, I tweeted a couple of weeks ago or so uh, about the latest update of the Apple Watch. Uh, the, the latest version of the Apple Watch is the Apple Watch uh, Series 4, that's the name. And they enabled uh, ECJ uh, measurement just with the phone. So, yes, they, they are investing uh, very hard in, in health and, and fitness measurement just with, with simple devices like, like the watch. Mm-hmm. Is there anything other, any other technology that you get excited about that you've seen recently that you may think be the, the next thing that enters the, the sports tech market or develops and then becomes the next big thing in the sports tech market? Uh, as I told you before, I, I, I truly believe that the future of sports technology is both augmented reality, especially augmented reality in my opinion, but also virtual reality because it, it allows you to, to, to train in, in, in very specific conditions, for example, uh, especially related to psychological or technical preparation. Imagine having a a headset, a virtual reality headset, a PlayStation and Oculus Rift have a nice, nice devices uh, for video games, but it can be used for other purposes. And for example, imagine to to be seated in in your room or in the field and seeing that you are in the I don't know in the Bernabeu or the Camp Nou. With, yes. Uh, 40,000 people yelling at you and screaming at you and you are training to to handle that pressure for example and and for for that purposes virtual reality uh, is is absolutely amazing so yes virtual reality and augmented reality i i, I do believe they are the the future and i i'm really looking forward to next developments on that field superb one last thing that I want to chat to you about is an article that came out on um, 
Martin Bushite's and, and Paul Larson's website. Uh, uh, no, it wasn't. It was Martin's, uh, Matteo and Jan's website, Sports Performance Reports. And it was from Lorena Torres and Jan Lemur. And it was around the, the 10 challenges for applied sports scientists in environments and countries that maybe don't have a, a massive tradition of, of sports science. Now, I know that obviously Spain does, but um, for you, what are the challenges for you and just reflecting on that article for applied sports scientists in Spain? Because I'm guessing, well, I, I could know if I looked at the stats, but not many people will listen to this podcast from, from Spain for obvious reasons. So it might be good to get give the guys who are in the UK or the US or Australia a bit of an insight into what it's like as an, as an applied sports scientist in Spain and the the challenges that you face. You know, the problem with uh, here in Spain, with team sports uh, especially, is that the truth is that that we are really good. And we have uh, great teams like uh, Barca, Madrid, etc., or the national team. And maybe that puts us in a position in which uh, many, you know, CEOs or many man managers of the teams uh, believe that they don't really need uh, sports scientists because we are doing well so far without them. And, and that's, that's an issue because, for example, in the, in the UK and other countries, it's very typical to have a, a sports scientist within the staff. And that is not so common here in Spain. And I think that the, the main challenge uh, here for us is to make managers and staffs understand the importance of having a sports scientist in the, in the team. So that's, that's, a, that's a, a big issue because many, many teams, even professional and top uh, teams, don't, have, don't really have sports scientists uh, within the team. For example, in the, in the track and field federation, it is very typical that coaches uh, are, you know, kind of uh, alone. They don't have, they don't really have a staff. They coach, they advise on nutrition, they advise on strength and conditioning and, and load management, uh, etc. So, yes, I, I think that our main issue is uh, with, the, with the managers and the, and the staff. So is that traditionally just because of the, the high focus on technical ability over the physical aspect of performance? I believe it's probably most related to the tactical ability. Okay, you know? yep. Because for example, many it, it, is, it is very um, common here in Spain to hear the sentence... Um, let, let me see how can I translate that because many strength and conditioning coaches here, here in Spain uh, working in soccer say this is kind of uh, strength and conditioning is dead, something like that. Okay. Because, yeah. Because for example, they, they took the example of Barca and especially Guardiola and coaches who who put a lot of emphasis in, in tactics, which, which is really important, of course. But uh, they believe that strength and conditioning or physical performance is not really very important to, to soccer. And the problem is that the people that say that 
is people who has won a lot of things. So people people believe them, and they don't understand that maybe they have won because they have Messi and Iniesta and Xavi in the team. So so there is this belief in many soccer coaches that strength and conditioning is not that important. So maybe that's that's one issue because if you do think that improving physical performance is not very determinate to success, you wouldn't expend time or money in a sports scientist who basically helps you to to manage the load and, and training and programming and monitoring fatigue and improving performance, etc. So yes, I agree that that's that's me by that might be one one issue here. So do you where do you guys or people in Spain, whether that be in a in a in an academic setting, in a research setting, but specifically in a in applied setting, where is the influence from a physical point of view coming from? Do, is it is it very much in Spain? Or is is the the kind of the work done in Australia a big influence on what happens in Spain, or is that becoming a a bit of an influence? Or is work in the UK? Where do you guys get your influences from? I know that's obviously a a pretty broad question, but I know that obviously you guys speak a, a different language to the to the um to the obviously to us in in, in England and Australia and America. So how do you go about? getting that information for especially for guys that don't speak english yeah well uh, in the sports science community it's more and more common to you know to at least uh, read english uh, if not uh, speaking uh, it's very common that people know how to read uh, papers you know so at, at this point, uh, language, I think it's not a, it's not a barrier. It's not a problem. But uh, yes, it, it, it kind of uh, depends. But I think that we're basically uh, influenced by, by Australian sports scientists, for sure. The sports science in Australia is it's, it's big. And uh, many people in these days are very influenced, especially those working uh, with the guys related to to JB Morin and French uh, people uh, are influenced by but this kind of, of research uh, from from France. Uh, uh, myself, I I told you about before. Uh, I I work uh, in some project with JB and Pierre Camusino. My good friend Pedro Jimenez has worked a lot with with JV and Pierre also. So, so yes, basically, uh, Australia and probably France and the UK, that's probably our, our main influences here. Superb. So I'm just going to um, kind of round up there, but thank you very much for your time, Carlos. And just going back, going back to the apps, where can people, what's the best place for people to have a little look into what, other apps you've got available from the ones that we've discussed? Are they available on Android? Are they available on just iOS? Where's the best place for people to get more information? Yeah, well, uh, in my own Twitter profile, I have a link to my webpage, and there you can find information about all the apps. Basically, uh, all the apps are in iOS, 
this means iPhone and iPad, but also the two most popular apps, uh, which are MyJump and MyLib, are also available in, in Android. So I'm, I'm working, when you ask me about the future, uh, uh, the, you know, the natural thing to do before doing new apps or working on new technologies is to port the other remaining apps to, to the Android operating system. Uh, I currently, as I said, I currently have my jump and my lift, but, but the others are also available for, for iOS. Excellent. And where can, do you know your Twitter handle off by heart? The handle of, sorry? Sorry, do you know your uh, Twitter handle? What's the best place for people to get you on Twitter? Yeah, my, my Twitter handle is C. Uh, Valsalobre. It's my, kind of my name. So that's C-B-A-L-S-A-L-O-B-R-E. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, superb. I can't say it, but I can spell it. Okay, uh, I, I believe that the easiest thing to do is, uh, even without entering my name, which is kind of hard, even for for Spaniards, yeah. Barcelona is, is not very typical. Lopez is more typical, for example, here yeah. in Spain. And if you enter my jump iOS in Google, you will see my web page. So that's an easy way to, to find me. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Carlos. And I always really appreciate someone coming on the, the podcast. Not that there's been many, but those that don't speak English as their first language, because I have unlimited respect for people that um, speak another language and not only speak it, but are confident enough to come on and discuss um, things like this in the podcast. So thank you very much, Carlos. And uh, we will chat soon. Yeah, of course, Rob. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to episode 237 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So I hope you enjoyed the chat with Carlos and hope that gave you a real insight into app-based technology and how it fits into the into sports, into sports performance and sports technology as a whole from someone who has pioneered that area of the industry. So big thanks to Hawking Dynamics, to iMeasureU, to Black Box Fitness and the guys at ACU and Notre Dame University for sponsoring this episode today. So thanks again for your support over the last weeks, months and years. Hopefully the content continues to offer insights and unique perspectives um, which allows you to go away and have a little think and maybe adjust or confirm what you're doing in your current practice. So thanks again for your support and I will speak to you soon.